Whoever designed those stairs was a monster. Would you believe that Reese, Az, and I had to climb up and down them as a punishment when we were boys? Her eyes shimmered with temper. Good. Better than the vacant ice. Why? Because we were young and stupid and testing boundaries with a high lord who didn't understand practical jokes regarding public nudity. He nodded toward the stairs. I got so dizzy on the hike down that I puked on Az. He then puked on Reese. And Reese puked all over himself. It was the height of summer, and by the time we made the trek back up, the heat was unbearable. We all reeked, and the scent of vomit on the stairs had become horrific. We all puked again as we walked through it. He could have sworn the corners of her mouth were trying to twitch upward. He didn't hold back his own grin at the memory, even if they'd still had to hike back down and mop it all up. Cassian asked, What stair did you make it to? One hundred? Eleven. Nesta didn't rise. Pathetic. Her fingers pushed into the floor, but her body didn't move. This stupid house wouldn't give me wine. I figured that would be the only motivator to make you risk 10,000 stairs. Her fingers dug into the stone floor once more. He threw her a crooked smile, glad for the distraction. You can't get up, can you? Her arms strained, elbows buckling. Go fly into a boulder. Cassian pushed off the wall and reached her in three strides. He wrapped his hands under her arms and hauled her up. She scowled at him the entire time, glared at him some more when she swayed and he gripped her tighter, keeping her upright. I knew you were out of shape, he observed, stepping away when she proved she wasn't about to collapse. But a hundred steps? Really? Two hundred? Counting the ones up, she grumbled. Still pathetic. She straightened her spine and raised her chin. Keep reaching out your hand. Cassian shrugged, turning toward the hall and the stairwell that would take him back to his rooms. If you get tired of being weak as a mewling kitten, come to training. He glanced over his shoulder. Nesta still panted, her face flushed and furious. And participate. Welcome to the House of Wind Book Club. I'm Hannah. And I'm Amber. This is a fan podcast where we discuss our current book obsession. We're going to break down chapters, characters, themes, and, let's be honest, gossip about our theories relevant to the magical, fairy-filled lands of Prithian. Just so you know, this podcast will contain spoilers and is explicit. We swear and we talk dirty. If you don't get worked up over the phrase, grab the headboard, or hello, Farrah darling then proceed with caution. We hope you enjoy being a part of our book club. Stay smutty. Hello, listener darling, and welcome back to another episode of the House of Wind Book Club, where we are currently freaking the fuck out because (gasps) it is January 29th. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sweating. I'm full body chills and sweating and grabbing my face and hyperventilating. Today, midnight is the time, you guys. It is it is like January 29th for us. We're recording this. For you guys, it is February 14th. <laughs> so 
We've probably yep. all finished this. Happy Valentine's Day at this point. Oh my god! Happy Valentine's Day, listener. <laughs> you beautiful listener, darling. We hope that your day is filled with chocolate and lots of love. <laughs> Whether oh, it's friendship, man. romance, whatever love you can find, hold on to it. I'm sure we'll all need it at this point in our lives after finishing this book. Oh, um, if you're interested in a little um, holiday spirit, I just finished or like while I'm biding my time until I can freak the heck out about this new book. I just finished or almost finished. There's a series of six little rom-coms and they're like interconnected, kind of not really, but they're called. Um, oh, gosh. The exception to the rule um, is the first one. Oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking what they're called. Casey sent it to us. <laughs> oh my gosh, people. It's on brain's... the it's a, what? It's a screenshot, right? Yeah. Please hold for book recommendations. It is. Can you find it? Um, it's within, oh, oh, going through our text thread is actually insane. <laughs> the improbable meet cute. Yes. So sorry for the suspense there. It's called the improbable meet cute. It is. There are six volumes, and they're tiny, teeny little reads, um, taking anywhere from like thirty minutes to like sixty minutes to read. And they're just cute little Valentine's stories that are just, they're feel good, but they're like a little smutty. Not really. I'm maybe a little bit. Um, but they're just cute. Like they just make you feel like kind of giddy oh, in I the best that. way. They're so We're gonna cute. Need that. I'm going to need that. I'm Yeah, I'm going to be reading those probably directly after. Also, they're short. So think about how good they're going to look on our reading challenges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah those, and they're just those look they're, awesome. Yeah, they're very, very sweet, very, very cute. Um they're just fun. That's a good way to put it. They're just a fun little read. So good That's buffer. Awesome. I can't wait a to good start buffer them. between like other books. Or if you have like after reading our Crescent City three and you just need like a cool down, those are great. They're fun. <laughs> yeah, because you know you know that feeling after you finish a Sarah J. Moss book? And your brain is just utter devastation broken. I remember finishing Crescent City 2 and also after Kingdom of Ash and also even after Silver Flames, like just like physically not being able to read for like solid like two weeks. Like I, I was just like, I can't. I think Fourth Wing was the same way. I was like, All done. my brain doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm checked out. All done. <laughs> Literarily checked out. Wow. Is that a word? It was just like a punny way to say that you're literally checked out, but right. That's good. That was good. That was a that was a mom. But joke like right literaturally. There. That was good. No words. All right. Well, again, glad you guys get to experience us from the past. Hello again from the past. Before <laughs> this is us before we've probably had our lives utterly wrecked by Sarah Janet Mass. So it's fine. We're fine. We're doing great right now. (laughs) It'd be fun to go back and listen to this again and be like, wow, this was before everything fell apart. (laughs) This is before everything (laughs) changed. Yes. Oh, man. 
Well, speaking once again of Crescent City 3, as you guys know, um, we have a great partnership with Audible where you can get a free month trial and a free title. And that is awesome because, like we said, Crescent City 3 is coming out. And if you already read it and you want to reread it, listening to it would be amazing. If you want to supplement and listen to something fun and smutty and sexy, you can also do that. There's literally anything you can want to listen to. It's on Audible. You can find it on there. And where you can find that trial is www.audibletrial.com slash house of wind. <laughs> also, please check out our Patreon. We released our um, February episodes. So we have multiple tiers. We have the Inner Circle and the Valkyries tier. We released our Valkyries tier, uh, just kind of Crescent City 3 general reactions, a little early. So that is already out. Um, We'll give you further updates on what to expect on that Valkyries tier, but expect some pretty juicy stuff coming down the line. And also for our Inner Circle tier, we have a deep dive into two more of our favorite sex scenes from various books. So take a peek at our Patreon. We posted a little info tidbit about what books to read so you know exactly what scenes we're talking about for that. Yeah. For your research. <laughs> for your <Wait>. research. <laughs> for science. <laughs> oh, Lordy. oh boy last episode we finished the book which is so yeah. bittersweet i said that like 17 times last episode but it really i that's that's how i feel about leaving frost and starlight and entering silver flames i know frost and starlight was just like mm. it was like a safe boyfriend that you just know you know that they're cozy and warm and safe and Nothing's going to go wrong. Silver Flames is just that crazy partner that is just off the walls and unpredictable. And it can be really hot at times, but you know, most of the time it's utterly devastating and painful. That's Silver Flames. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, Frost and Starlight is the healthy partner that you should stay with. Yes. Silver Flames is the really unhealthy, unhinged partner that pulls you away from the safe place. Um, <laughs> And into this unhinged world. And then by the time they're done with you, all you can think about is how you wish you would have stayed at Frost and Starlight. Yes. Such a good way to put it. <laughs> oh, boy. Yikes. Yikes. Okay. But also, but also, yay. Because I, I actually love, I love this book. It's no longer my favorite after rereading it. It's, it's second to me for, to Mist and Fury. But. I still really love this book in general. Mm -hmm. I don't agree, but Amber does not agree, <laughs> and that you're going to get a very diverse opinion, which I think is going to be good. It is. I think it. it's going to be very, very good. And there, you know, I'm not. I'm not the kind of person when I don't when I don't love a book. I'm not the kind of person that's going to be like spewing constantly about how I don't love the book. Um, mm -hmm. I am able to put aside everything that I feel and still thoroughly enjoy a lot of this book. So, you know, I'm still, even though it's not my favorite book on planet Earth, like I'm still really excited to do a deep dive into a book, um, into this book in particular, because it, I mean, there are so many reasons, but the, as far as the entire SJM universe, this book is a like pivotal, pivotal <laughs> point in so many different ways we learn so much information and it's uh, it's mind-blowing 
It is. So just know, listener, if you have not read the Crescent City books and just in general all of Sarah J. Moss's books, you can listen to this. We will always give spoiler warnings, but just know towards the like as we get into podcasting this book, we will be talking deeply about, you know, connections and things like that. So we just don't want to ruin anything for you, but we will always tell you when we're going to get into that. So mm-hmm. But just know it's going to be, a, we're going to be talking about it quite a bit towards, especially towards the middle and end of this book. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, also, so for this episode, we're actually going over the first 11 chapters. And the main reason we're doing that is because, quite frankly, we just kind of feel that the first 11 chapters are really repetitive. Um, and as far as like where I'm at, I really want to focus on the moving forward parts um Mm -hmm. you know we've we've kind of done a deep dive in frost and starlight not a deep dive but we've talked about nesta's struggles we've talked about where nesta is at mentally and these first 11 chapters um we'll summarize them and we'll talk about them in this episode but i don't think it's necessary for us to do a deep dive because for individuals who are going through a hard time it's not just like a snap and you're better Right. And Nesta and Nesta is in the same exact boat. So, you know, the first 11 chapters are kind of this like it's like she's she's stuck in a washing machine that's just like going around and around and around and around. And she no one's no one's there to pull her out quite yet or or she's not ready to reach her hand out and grab the hand that's being offered to her. Um, So, yes. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, let's let's get into it. Let's do it. And obviously, we know in these first 11 chapters, Nesta is suffering, especially in the beginning of this book. I mean, Nesta is suffering. And and it's unfortunate that the way that she suffers is that she's, I mean, she lashes out. She's awful to everyone who loves her. And she's, she's having a really hard time seeing that these people love her. So she's at the point where i truly don't think she even realizes what she's doing but she's she's self-destructing and she is isolating big time yeah she Um, a thousand percent she is yeah and i think the worst like the crux of what went from bad to worse is when her and amarin had a falling out and i've talked about this before but i think it is so insanely important for when someone is going through a hard time having that one person as long as you have one person who will always have your back and you always know will be there if you truly need it. Like, as long as that person isn't being abused, right? Or, you know, that hand that's continuously reached out isn't being taken advantage of. But just knowing in the back of your mind that you have someone there for you is is enough to pull you out sometimes. But her and Amron had a falling out. And so she no yes. longer really and has that that's... person. Yeah, I think she mentions it's like her or Cassian that mentioned like after this falling out, like things got noticeably worse. I think it might have been her like making a mental note of like, this is where things really started to go downhill. And you're right. It's because that Amron was her one and only friend. I think her only friend that she's literally ever had in her life. Yes. Like besides Elaine. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And Nesta. So they had the falling out. And now, after months of fucking and drinking, the inner circle was like, I'm done. Intervention. 
If you guys have seen How I Met Your Mother, they have they have the they have the banner up and everything. You know, it, yeah. we are we are <laughs> staging a full fledged intervention, and they look at this her and they're like, Nesta. "Yeah, they're like, homegirl, you have two options. You can GTFO, go to the mortal realm. I don't know, leave. I, that's not what we want, but that's that's one option. Option two is the one that we want for you. Train with Cass while you live at the House of Wind." And then you'll work at the library. This is your option, too. And Nesta, I mean, in all fairness, she's a grown adult. And this is, I mean, the reason she's spiraling is for the utter lack of control she has in her life. And this is taking away the one last thing she can control. So I I probably would have thrown an adult t- temper tantrum, too. But at the same time, <clears throat> excuse me, at the same time. Thank God for this intervention. She needs this shit. Bad. <laughs> yeah, I've seen I've seen a lot of I've seen it like from both perspectives where I've seen people like because this is a very controversial SJM book in terms of like if you liked it or you didn't. And I feel like a lot of people bring up like I've seen where people say like it's not fair that, you know, they essentially like forced Nessa, a grown woman to do this. I, I do think there is an element, though, of. If she was doing this with her own money in her own, like, you know, completely separated from these people, then whatever, fine, do your own thing. But you're literally spending all of like it's on Reese's bill. They're funding this lifestyle for you. So I just feel like it just changes the situation in my mind where it's like I agree that I feel like they have every right to be like. If you're going to keep living under our, it's like with your, how parents are like, if you're going to live under this roof, like these are the rules, you know, like you can't just take advantage of, of our kindness essentially and giving you space and money. And this is what you did with it. Yeah. Yeah. And like she does, I mean, she could have had alternative options, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, she could have, if she was able to, I'm not saying she was necessarily able to do this, but she could have gotten a job. It's not like she would have to return to the human realms to work in a functioning society. Like she's in Valaris. She mm-hmm. she could find it. She could work at the shitty bar. Yeah, she'd be a bartender. Yeah, what the hell? Anything. A dancer. She'd be great at that. Like, she would be. Nesta would be a phenomenal bartender. <laughs> yeah, she would. She That's would. what we should do. We should do like a career casting if they were humans. Yes, I love this. Uh, pause one second while I let my dog out of this room. <laughs> Ruby. Sorry, friends. My child was away from me this weekend and he needed, he was having attachment issues, but now his dad is home. So he's like, bye. <laughs> See bye. you, mom. <laughs> but yes, I agree. I think that would be amazing. I love this. We're doing that as a real, a real yes. series. Yeah. So anyway, Nesta's throwing an adult temper tantrum. And this is one of the things that really irks me about this entire book. I'll talk about it later at the at the end. But she just immediately seeks out Pharaoh and is like, this is your fault. This is this is your fault. It's your fault I'm in the fairy realm. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. And Cauldron bless Pharaoh as she just looks at Nesta and she puts her foot down and is like, too bad. You're doing it. I... And I like just being backed into a corner like that. Like Farah, what 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 is she supposed to do? Just sit there right. and watch her sister self destruct. Yeah, 
And I feel like it's out of a place of love, right? So it's also the thing that really does frustrate me about this entire situation. I do. I love that Farah doesn't even entertain Nesta being like, it's your fault. Like she's trying to get a rise out of Farah. That's what she, mm-hmm. that's where she gets her like, it's what gets her going right now. It makes her try and feel something, right? We know that's her motivation, but it makes me, it really upsets me every time Nesta goes into this mindset of it's Farrah's fault she dragged me into this. And mainly because Nessa does this thing where she victimizes herself and she, it's fine. You are a victim to a certain extent, Nessa. I agree. However, your sisters went through the same thing. Both Farrah and Elaine also had their humanity ripped away without their permission. Farah ended up being more okay with it because she was in love with a fairy. So like, you know, it's a different situation, but they also both lost their dad. They also like saw the horrors during the war of hybrid. And I know everyone goes through different experience, like, like experiences that differently, but Nessa acts like they're all completely fine. She's just like, well, everyone else is just fine. It didn't impact them. And I'm just like, Nesta, like what? Stop being so dense. Yeah, like everyone went through horrible shit. Your sisters have gone through so much. And Farah, Farah was taking care of you all throughout your human lives. Like she's always been the one taking care of you. I just hate that where she's just like, it's her fault. And I'm like, oh my God, that part really bothers that me. I, yeah, I really what, had to go off on that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I am totally with you because the icing on the cake for me is because this is the part where Nesta starts pitting herself against Farah, mm-hmm. And that's one thing. But to just add fuel to the fire, it's she gets into this narrative of Elaine's choosing Farah, Amron's mm-hmm. choosing Farah, Cass is choosing Farah. Everyone's always choosing her. No one ever chooses me. Again, just falling to that to that victim mindset, and it's and it's iso- she's she's isolating herself further by doing this by sharing this like vicious sentiment that she's mad that Farah isn't the one that's isolated. Like mm-hmm. she deserves to be isolated. It's it's the ill wishing on others that yep. that really just crawls and burrows under my skin. Mm-hmm. Um Same. so it's it's just it's interesting. Nesta is just a conundrum. She's she's such a conundrum. Yes, she is because yeah. I also again there are parts of her and we will talk about this later on that I very much identify with and and see and feel and I'm here to support and talk about and we will but there's just a lot where I'm like oof this is not looking good no matter what way you slice it yep it's just <laughs> yeah just it's just not a good look it's just it's, bad it's bad it's real bad <laughs> I'm like oof Nesta oh bad luck girlfriend um mm-hmm. So fast forward a little bit and Reese and Cass are talking and they're thinking back to what the bone carver said about Nesta. If you remember this, this is intense. Yes. What if I tell you what the rock and darkness and sea beyond whispered to me, Lord of Bloodshed, how they shuddered in fear on that island across the sea, how they trembled when she emerged. She took something, something precious, ripped it out with her teeth <laughs> nesta's scary she she's is. her power 
I will say I wish she would have had more time with her power um, mm-hmm. to like do a deeper dive with it because she's cool. I mean, she's yes. like, she's real scary, but she's cool. Do you, I had a thought today, Amber. I don't know if you'll agree with me with this. And I, it's not really like a true thing I believe. It's just a thought, you know, like a little mini theory. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, you know, in like in Lord of the Rings and in Harry Potter, like when whoever's carrying the Horcrux or whoever is like carrying the ring, it like impacts them and their emotions and it like amplifies their like oh. deepest, darkest. Do you think because her power is like death, like it's just festering what was already there? Like it's just and that's why it's like, that bad. Yeah. Hannah. Like do you I think actually, that? maybe it's just because I want to I desperately <laughs> want to believe that this isn't like there's a reason that she was this bad, but I mm-hmm. I mean that tracks. Yeah, it just was something that I thought about. And I and I know Nessa's horrible anyway. We know we've seen her as a human. Like she's she's always but been she's not sassy. This bad. She's it's, not this, this bad. Is, yeah, this is like and this we is, saw this is you're carrying the ring. This is you're carrying a horcrux. This is your Ronald Weasley running away because you're a twat. Yep. And yeah. And it gets better when she starts learning how to like use her powers and like, you know, and get better in terms of like wielding things and blah 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 and yeah. So, I don't know. It's just something that I thought about and I want it to be true because I do overall I I do love Nessa's journey personally. So, but I also thought about that and I was like, hmm, I wonder. I actually is, really, really like that, Hannah. That's brilliant. Because, well, think about, we just go from, we go from her and, and I feel like an, just in general, another thing with Nesta, I'm not trying to get us off track here, but I just have a couple thoughts about her in general and just some of the things that she mentions like she also mentions like you know how she saw that Highburn used the people that she loved against her like when everything happened with Cassian and when and her dad and her thinking about losing Feyre and Elaine like was terrifying to her and she talks about how now she's essentially like distancing herself so that that doesn't happen again and she's definitely got that like I'm trying to keep my distance so these people that I love can never be used against me. And also she's got that kind of like mentality of, I want, I want to be alone and I want to hurt. And I want, you know, like when she's taking her cold shower and she's like, good, like the water's cold or like, good. It's easier if Cassian hates me. Like she, it's like, she, we know that she feels like she doesn't deserve it, but it's just like, I feel like we go from her throwing her body over Cassian at the end of Akawar to just I mean it's just times 30 like it's just right it's like whiplash it really so is. I don't know and I don't know how much of it is just regular old PTSD and we mm-hmm. know that those things are also we will never belittle the mental health aspect of what Nessa is going through we will talk about that but today is just a general you know covering but that's just my like thought that I had of maybe this could be like a teeny aspect of what she's going through too maybe her powers are influencing that fascinating Mm -hmm. and 
it, that's I like that even more so because we know her powers are significant. I think mm-hmm. at one point they're talking about like how her powers could like rival Reese. And that's yes. that's like that's no small thing. And Reese has mentioned several times, you know, whether this is like a moral thing or like the power actually almost being like a sentient being in yourself mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. of like kind of like acting on your malicious intent versus just just feeling that or having that shoved in the back of your mind. Like when you have that much power, it's always there. It's just a matter of like, is it able to truly infiltrate to through your moral code? And so but, no wonder. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I didn't. No, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. But just no wonder they're they're trying to get her to get her shit together because also she if she's unhinged and has these crazy powers that she has no control over and can come out when she's upset and she's just getting more and more upset as time passes. Like I also can't fault them for wanting to help her get things no. under control. Not not even a little. She's a threat. Yeah, and I think this is kind of where the line gets really really blurry again because again we're talking about war we're talking about a court if you are just an average joe you know someone that isn't in power doesn't have significant influence or isn't surrounded by individuals who have significant influence can we kind of let it run its course and if you have like moderate amounts of power that could be controlled if it comes out Let's let's let it run its course. Do whatever you need to do, Nesta. Like, let me know. Like, let us all know how we can help you and we will be there. But like, your power is no joke. You could kill us all immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, and and just because you can't control your emotions or or you don't have the capacity to to address the powers in your body because of the way that you're feeling. So at this point in time, Nesta's too buried in this pain to to even allow her her power to surface. So kudos to her to being able to like stifle that down even through all of her big feelings um, or lack thereof, quite frankly. She's a professional um, stuff it downer. She's, she's a professional stuff it down. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just interesting. But mm-hmm. we, we kind of pivot here because at this point in time, Reese also tells Cass, it's like, guess what, buddy? I have a new role for you and you're going to hate it. You get to play nice. You get to play nice with the mortal queens, with Eris. Go hang out with more. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> and Cass is like, are you fucking kidding me? Ugh. Politics, dude? politics this is not my strong suit i just picture every time in the witcher like anytime uh any of the like kings or like ladies or whatever ever try to get Geralt involved in any of their shit he's just like no like nope <laughs> i'm leaving now like i just picture that where cassie's is like oh hell no like i'm not absolutely not i can let me let me play with the brutes let me let me punch a couple of Lyrians till they listen to me. Like, I got that. I can handle that. But I, I got to put nice clothes on and go talk to people. Absolutely not. And, and go talk in riddles. No, I can't. No. Yeah. Mm-mm. Okay. For those of you that watch Ted Lasso, I just imagine Cass in these situations. He is Roy Kent. He just looks at everyone's like, fuck off. Fuck you. 
You know, he just like says it how it is, doesn't hold anything back, has absolutely no capacity to read between the lines or pick up on like subtleties in conversation. It's just Cass, you know? It's Cassian is going to be authentic no matter what. He doesn't have like Reese's, like the finesse and the like eloquence, right? You know, he's just, yeah, he. But that's what I love about him. He's always genuinely himself. And so, yeah, just picturing him in these situations. <laughs> it's comical. Oh, shit. And so then we talk about more how she's also in the business of convincing these other rulers to ally with us. And we'll find that more is actually pretty frequently away throughout this book. Um, but her and Cass discuss strategy and they decide that he is to find the former human queen Vasa. So remember... This is the queen that was sold to a sorcerer lord who enchanted her. Um, and as we get more of Cass's perspective, as these chapters continue to roll on, we realize that, of course, Nesta is struggling and it's it's shining through. And Cass and Farah in particular are the ones who who can see it and feel it um, because they're the ones that are closest to her, quite frankly. And Elaine has kind of kept her distance. Um, Which well, good for her. Honestly, boundaries up, baby. I'm like proud of Elaine. Me too. Mm-hmm. Me too. She's growing up. Elaine is grown. Oh, she's all grown up, our baby girl. <laughs> but we also see Cass's loneliness, and this is this is always exemplified when he looks at Reese and Farah, and he just he sees this like beautiful, loving relationship that they have. He he aches for it. He absolutely desperately aches for it. He's not jealous of them because he's wanted this for Reese for mm-hmm. centuries. Mm-hmm. He's just, he's so unbearably happy for them that also, but also like watching their happiness kind of makes him feel a little hollow. Yeah. And that's, that must be so hard to, at this point, like we said, he has his very strong suspicions of the fact that this is probably his mate. And he's just like, well and he's just i just feel like it's starting to get to the point where it's breaking him a little bit you know mm-hmm. like he's starting to crack a little and yeah. his like he's still putting that facade out there for everyone but on the inside he's like really he's lost hope i think that especially especially by the end like chapter 11 is bad Ooh, chapter is 11 bad. is a like crash and burn for yeah. Cass. um yeah. yeah 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 and then we start our training And the real one-on-one time with Nesta starts. (laughs) Okay. And this is a big reason why we combined these, because we do not want to relive all of this in excruciating detail because we love our baby boy Cass. And we don't don't want to relive this horror series of unfortunate events that for some reason Cass is exclusively dealing with, which in all fairness, he, he, wants to be the one to help her you know (sighs) it's hard it's hard because uh, you know he was like i'll do it obviously he loves her and he wants to try to help her get better right he wants to to like fix the situation but also there's it's hard because you know the inner circle probably would have been like okay like i'll you know i'll help with this part or like i'll help with this part but it's like she she wouldn't have it i don't think from anyone else true I don't and think Cass, Cass she doesn't. knows that. Cass is, yeah. you know, he's very intuitive. 
Um, it just sucks it comes down to him, you know? It does. It does. Um, but Nesta falls victim to the same thing that literally every single human on planet Earth does. We hurt the ones closest to us. We hurt the ones that love us the most. It's just human nature. Um, as training begins, Nesta does exactly what we expect her to do. She sits her ass on a rock and straight up refuses to participate. And the other, this is just such a conundrum. Now that, especially after you've read the book and you know why she's doing this. When I first read this, I was so mad. Like, yep. livid. Because again, all I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about... When you first read it from a superficial level, the Illyrians are looking on and just basically straight up laughing at Cass for his inability to make her train. Like she is making a straight up fool out of him. Yep. But we know, we know deep down it's, that's not her intent. It's just that that's not as important to her as her looking a fool in front of other people. Exactly. Which, it's an unfortunate side effect of, of it is that. it is um and she also doesn't like care to really elaborate or admit to it which it's just tough it's tough because someone who is it as is. proud and has as strong of an ego as nesta does that's not something that a person like that is just going to be like hey listen can we just um train where there aren't other people because i don't want to get embarrassed because i'm not a warrior yeah like that's a very She's... rational logical thing to ask yeah that most people would probably say <laughs> yeah <know>? but instead <laughs> she's sitting on a rock refusing to train for multiple days on end um but i feel like the hard Go the ahead. hard part is that she's it just comes across as like petulant teenager where Cassian's like, you need to eat. And she's like, I don't want to. And then like, he's like, you need to train. And she's just like, I don't want to, you know, like, it's just, mm -hmm. it is so hard to swallow at first read because it just comes across so immature. And she is very emotionally immature during the beginning of this book. But Truly. yeah, it's just like, it's so hard to read it as a grown up because I'm just like, God, she's acting like, like she's an adult, like she, but she's acting mm -hmm. The way she's like verbalizing all of this is very like it's she's a wildly immature. Yes. And it's it it, it's immature and it's also hurting everyone as a result of that immaturity when if we could if we could just hurdle one barrier of just being able to admit a few things. Yep. And we know Cass. I mean, we know Cass. He's not going to poke fun. He's not going to make light. He's gonna hear her out and say, okay. But and that's, we, we and see that's, that later. Yeah, and that's and you know, like when you said it's easier to hurt those that love you, it's so true because she knows those are the people that you know are gonna they love you no matter what, right? And she's she's got it in her head. Cass has shown time and time again, he's like, I'm here, I'm here. And she's just like, I can do whatever I want and I can lash out, and he's still probably gonna be here. You know what I mean? Like it's just that. He, it's that constant figure and it's so easy to hurt those people and and it's just it sucks but yeah it sucks and i and say this from personal experience right and then but. and then when that person's gone then you're devastated mm -hmm. and then you're regretting everything you ever said and did yeah and right. then it adds a whole other layer onto the everything you're feeling already anyways yeah exactly exactly it's, it's again vicious cycle 
It is. Vicious cycle. But the thing is, after training, Nesta goes to the library and gets her first dose of that, which honestly goes... The library in general always, 100% of the time, goes so much better than training or literally any other aspect of Nesta's life um, for a while. And so I always find like the sliver, every time she walks to the library, she's like going to the library. I'm like, okay, I feel like progress is made every single time she goes in those stacks. I agree with you. Yeah, that's a good like, point. <laughs> every single time. And I'm like, hell yeah. Let's just let's just go to the library for a while. Fuck training. Like maybe that'll help her ease into it. Maybe it'll open the door. Cause I I truly think like if I would have been the one facilitating this intervention, I probably would have done that first. And then yeah. like eased into some training because I feel like training's a lot. But I don't know. That's that's yeah, me I, knowing yeah, I what I know about what happens. Yeah. Like I don't know if I yes. would have been able to say like, oh, let's do that. Okay, so let's dive into the logistics, right? This doesn't. This stuff doesn't really involve uh, involve Nesta, but Cass goes on a little adventure, and Cass visits the band of exiles in the human lands. And <laughs> poor Cass, you guys, poor Cass just keeps getting shit on because Eris is there. Of <sighs> course, Eris is there, and everyone surrounding Cass is good at the game of politics. And again. This interaction is our first of just Cass in this political game, and he is just straight up not cut out for it. Nope. He's not. He's been good at so many things, and he's a brilliant dude, but not at this. This is not his forte at all. No. I feel like this is like only, this is the thing that people, individuals that have at least 25% Slytherin in them are good at. Yeah, you, there's some level of deceit to politics, as we know. I mean, right. human experience has shown us that. But like, yeah, there's some level of it is a game. It's a it's a chessboard and you have to you want to win the game. So it's like, yes. you know, how do we how do we convince others to work with us? How do we trade? How do we do all of that? You have to be able to talk the talk. Yeah. And also, I do find it kind of harsh to just send Cass into these situations where his job for centuries has been leading armies, and he's a general. And of he's Illyrians, of yeah, yes, a very different, different than the peop- the other people of Prithian. And not that he's not aware of, like he knows the moving pieces of the game from like recent forming him. But I feel like it's just kind of like it's it was just like throwing him into the deep end. I feel like yeah, of just being like, go do this political thing, and he's like. Okay, like being general of your armies, like isn't it's not okay. All right, I guess I'll try this. <laughs> yep, yep. And it's kind of like the first instance of Cass being like, "Why, why?" But also mm-hmm. like something's going on. Like usually this would be something that As and or Reese would do. Yes, or more, which we already have a lot of players on the board. Like why? Just why? You know, and we know why, but we know why. We know why. There's a lot of shit going on, but... Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm going to try to summarize this big chunk of info that we get about just, like, general background information. Number one, Eris reports that several dozen of his soldiers went missing. Just a little side note there. That's really all he says. Mm. It's like, oh, yeah, they went missing. I don't know. Um, (laughs) And then Vasa reports that the human queens are stirring, especially 
Brielin? I think it's Brielin. Brielin? Brielin. I'm going to hook that up. According um, to the audiobook, you know, I don't, I know just as much as you do, but that's what the, the audiobook narrator says. Brielin. Um, yeah, Brylin. I'm going to fuck that up. Yeah. Think um, of it like Briaxis. But Brielin. 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 That's one of those words that gets all mixed up on my tongue. Yep. Brylin. Brylin. Like violin. Like violin. Yes. A violin. You you play yeah. the Brylin. Just like, okay. Perfect. I love it. Brylin. Who is Brylin is the young queen turned old by the cauldron. Um, and she especially mm-hmm. hates Nesta and wishes to get her youth back. So like this woman is out for vengeance. She's She's got a score to settle. But wait, oh, yeah. let's add another really, really big player to the board. Koshi? It's Koshi or Koshe? Again, Koshi, in the book, like Yoshi. In the audio. <laughs> I like that. Koshi. <laughs> Koshi, like Yoshi. Tell me you have a speech Perfect. impediment without telling me you have a speech impediment. I was going to say, your, your OT, your inner OT, I'm loving it. It's coming through. Yeah. So this is the sorcerer that imprisoned Vasa. He's the older brother of the bone carver and currently spelled in a lake due to an ancient spell. Okay. And although he's trapped, he can still influence others. So he can like whisper sweet nothings into the universe to individuals. Probably not. Um, And and more good news. Brylan and Koshi. I crushed that. By the way, you did. damn, <laughs> um, they're they're most likely working together, mm-hmm. and Bootyhole Baron has also allied himself to them. What mm-hmm. a fun little trio! Wow, this is fun. It's like as if things couldn't get worse. <laughs> this is fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And I just Life feel like good. like there is no one better to receive that news than Cass because I can just vividly picture his reaction just being like for fuck's sake right he's just like god damn it yeah we just finished this one thing <laughs> yeah we have five minutes every single other individual would be like rather stoic and like just absorb that information and i can just see Cass being like oh come on well literally every other line in his inner monologue when he does get big information he's just like fuck like that's yeah. like again. He this is the is why he reminds me of Harold. Yeah. <laughs> also, he also reminds me of Chandler from Friends. Oh my God, Cass yes. is Chandler. He's he's Geralt Bing. <laughs> Chandler of Rivia. <laughs> what uh, a chaotic mix of individuals! Wow. Oh God. He's so complex. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um <laughs> wow. Yeah, wild. Okay, so that's kind of like the logistics of everything that's going on. So now, let's do a little deep dive into some more Nesta. Like I was saying earlier, Nesta is extremely frustrated with her lack of control in the entire situation. She's Frustrated about her lack of a choice, but in this exact moment, she's frustrated that the house won't give her wine. So, homegirl decides to walk down the 10,000 steps to the city so she can drink herself stupid. But she only made it 
80 steps. Eight, zero. Do you think SJM went on a stair stepper and was like, this is a good amount to really describe how badly like her body needs to be trained? Yeah, either that 80 or, she, steps. or she doesn't understand. Because here's my other thing. As a as a as we're both therapists, you guys know this. The stairs go down. What is stopping Nessa from sitting on her ass and just plopping down each step? It's like to me the carpet ride of your life. Yeah, to me the hardest. Yeah, and like further on in the book when she gets down like into the thousands and then she turns around and comes back up, I'm like, it's harder to go back up the stairs than it is to go if your goal is just to go drink and not come back to the house of wind do grab a mattress and just surf down those stairs like i it's just one of those things where where you're like when you add in a little bit of critical thinking it's just kind of like she's going yeah, down no. the stairs like i don't i never thought about that the first time around when i read it but then going back to it now i'm just like like wait hmm. grab a laundry basket If you're a middle to poor class, like lower class individual who grew up in the 90s, grab grab that shitty laundry basket that has three cracks in it. Put it at the top of your stairs and down you go. The handles are missing. Pray pray for your collarbones. That's all I can say. (laughs) She's fine. She'll heal. She'll be fine. She's fine. Um, So she made it 80 steps. Uh, Turned around. It's basically knock, knock, knocking on death's door. Um, I'm not going to say heaven's door because we're not there yet. Nope. Um, due to her, I mean, she's she's in bad shape. She yeah, hasn't she really been doing her her body any favors with all of her drinking and just generally not being physically active. And also, I don't, it's not a point of making fun of 80 steps. If you are moving your body in any way, movement is movement. That is amazing. Hell yeah. But, it's, but in general, when I'm talking about just, she's this like a high fay. A high fay woman. She's not a human who's been sedentary. Yeah, it's just, it's different. So, um, yeah, no, that's just, yeah, I just wanted to clarify that because we are both very much pro move your body. Yeah. Any way that you can. No, we will never, ever judge that. This is just, come on, this is a fantasy story. (laughs) She's like this powerful creature. Yeah. Also, if you, right, we're high fay. To the point where we can go from 80 steps to 10,000 in a Mm -hmm. relatively short amount of time. Yes. Fantasy, people. Fantasy. If you, like us, have gotten on a stair stepper and like, let's see how close I can get to 10,000. That is the biggest reality check. I think one of the bigger reality checks I've ever gotten in my life. Same. I tried it again the other day. I was like, I ran a half marathon like a few weeks ago. I can do this. I got to like, I think it was like 3,000. I was, I was like, going to say a couple thousand. <laughs> yeah. A quarter of the way there. Yeah. And it took like the time I tried it. I sh- like it took me like over a half an hour mm-hmm. of like hauling ass and yes. then more time going extremely slow. Like, yes extremely slow for yeah wild it's intense yeah but great point great point mm-hmm. um so the next day she refused to train again and Cass was like okay i have to run some errands um so nesta went into reese's mother's nearby home at the lyrian war camp 
And we just get this tiny little glimpse of Nesta fiercely flinching at the fire crackling in the fireplace. Hmm. Context clues coming in. Yep. The next part is a redeeming moment because Cass brings Nesta to some shops in the village. And this is after Cass has met this wonderful shop owner. Mm -hmm. And Nesta meets a dark-haired Illyrian female whose wings had been clipped. And this female, if we noted from Cass's previous encounter with her, has the same fierce, unyielding, cold energy that Nesta does. And we love it. We love love Emery. This is just like the first moment of like, it's just like that little sliver of light that you're like, oh shit, Nesta has a kindred spirit. Mm-hmm. It was Amran, and Amran isn't really there anymore. Mm-hmm. So like, let's find a completely different individual who's all, who's still a kindred spirit. I love it. I do also love that just like when you were just saying that Amran's not there anymore, I just as a mental note, I do love that Amran did kind of, I mean, she just like stood up for herself essentially and was like, I'm not taking this anymore. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of a point we have made before of, so I do like that she's, Amran is out of the picture for good reason. And now we have introduced someone else that might be able to, you know, kind of come in and have a different perspective and a fresh, you know what I mean? Like someone mm-hmm. for Nesta to, to connect to. I, Emery and Gwen, from the moment they're both introduced, it's like, oh, okay. Like we're going somewhere, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, I, I can hang in. I'm I'm here. I'm here. Yep. <laughs> And so after she meets Emery, she returns to the library to work because and because the library is a part of the House of Wind, she finds a lovely bowl of soup waiting for her between shelving books. And she looks to the house and is like, I'm not hungry and basically calls the house like a busybody. <laughs> and this this moment tickles me because a priestess who she didn't realize was behind her just asks, who are you talking to? <laughs> Are you okay? Are you okay? And again, we have this another moment of, okay, we found another kindred spirit because instead of this priestess being similar to like what her expectations are, because I think Nesta kind of has this preconceived notion that priestesses are going to be um, kind of like very reserved and just like focused on their like one, one duty. And instead this priestess is like bantering with Nesta. You know, they're mm-hmm. going back and forth. And and she's, again, like almost surprised to find such a kindred spirit in a priestess. Um, and we find out that this is Gwen. Oh, I love Gwen. I love Gwen. Yeah. I love her. She is. Yeah. Her just her like determination and her like she's just she's so cool. I love I love all three of them together. But I just love Gwen and Emery. They they Me are too. part of the reason that I love this book so much. A hundred percent. Yeah. They're the three of them are so in their journey is it gives me the warm fu- like the warm fuzzies every single time I think about it. Yes. So when Nesta returned to the house that night and bread appeared, Nesta thanked the house and got a flickering of lights in response. And this is the first time that Nesta got like a straight up response. You know, obviously the house is sending her things like food and she's talking to the house. But at this point, 
or before this moment, it's almost like she's just kind of like saying it to say it. And she just assumed it was magic. But now she's like, wait, (laughs) wait a minute. I'm not crazy. (laughs) I'm just conjuring food out of nowhere. Yeah. I also her relationship with the house is just. Yes. (laughs) A few nights later, Nesta awoke from a particularly awful nightmare. And Nesta does this thing where when her thoughts get really, really loud, before she had the ability to seek anything out, I feel like the louder her thoughts or the louder that whatever was happening in her mind was being, the the more she lashed out or the more she was unkind without realizing it. And and now we're getting this um, this change in her coping strategies almost whereas like before she would either lash out or go find one someone to sleep with or drink now she's like i'm gonna go do the stairs which is kind of relatable yeah i like when i had that really bad job in california um earlier this year I think I may have mentioned this before on the podcast. Like I went to a gym that had a punching bag and I ordered MMA gloves on Amazon and I would go to the gym. And before I did anything else at the gym, didn't matter what I was planning to do that day. I went to the punching bag and I set a timer for like 10 minutes. I played epic like film scores and like fantasy music. And I beat the shit out of the punching bag for like 10 minutes as hard as I could taking breaks but just 10 minutes and then I would stop if I needed to go more, I would go more, but that helped me not be unprofessional at work and helped me not helped me be a a better wife at home and friend and just general human because I just, sometimes there are no words, sometimes physical activity and punching something inanimate is what you need to do. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, or going for an intense run, going for a run, walk, anything. It can be so, so good for your your mental health and just the way you interact with other people. So yeah. I do love and this is another thing I love. Yeah. And it, it does a really nice job of kind of bringing you out of whatever headspace you're in and making you focus on your body. It's kind of one of the like key concepts of of mindfulness. I mean, Nesta's still kind of using it in a in a not very controlled fashion, but she has the basics of it down, right? I'm getting out of my head and into my body. I'm going to focus on my lungs, on my heart, on my muscles, and I'm not going to focus on these roaring, consuming thoughts in my brain. We're going to let those settle and maybe we'll think about those later. That's not where she's at yet, but we get there. We do get there. <laughs> um, so Right now she's just like, wine. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, this time... As she's going down the stairs, you know, we're kind of irrationally, we're like, ang- like rage stomping or like rage slash just like despair stomping. Despair is a better word. Um, and this time she gets dizzy and she actually begins tumbling down the stairs. And these are steep stairs. Right. And she's like tumbling, tumbling, tumbling. Blood is filling her mouth. And she's just like desperately clawing and reaching out to stop herself. And when she finally does, she is beat to hell. And as she gets up, she tries as hard as she can to ignore the mark her fingers made on the stairs. Yeah. On the the stone stairs. Yeah. (laughs) It's finding a way to ooze out. (laughs) Yep. 
let's try again. But Nesta continues. <laughs> we're we're still a no go for with the training. She sits on her rock while Cass does his training, and she's not so far gone that she can't appreciate what she's looking at. Ooh, we appreciate it too. Thank you, SJM, for including the details mm-hmm. in these scenes. I mm-hmm. do love that she's just like she's got her book, but she's like. What do we have here? Let's count the abdominals. <laughs> so good. Yes. Lastly, Nesta sat next to Cass and As, hoping for a quiet dinner. Right. Naturally, as Cass and As begin talking about Reese, as one would when you're talking about stuff with the night court, the conversation turns as Nesta decides to share her, op- her opinions on how much she hates Reese and begins calling him names. Like, he's an arrogant ass. He's... She's just calling him names for for no reason. She's... There's, there's no reason to be saying these things. Read the room, Nesta. Yep. And obviously, Cass and Az do not appreciate this. Yep. And this spirals. And as Az is just, like, simmering and staring at her, Cass blows up. This is this is his breaking point. Chapter 11 is Cassian's breaking point with Nesta. He has tried so hard. So hard. And I don't know. It I struggle with this, but when Nesta's like I well I hate him. He's an arrogant bastard. Blah blah blah. Cass just looks at her and says, "Good. Good. He hates you too. Everyone fucking hates you. Is that what you want?" Because congratulations, it's happened. Yeah. And although although I don't, it's not, I don't think it was right or a good thing that he said that, I do not think that anyone in this situation would have held out as long as he did before exploding like this. Definitely not. I, I, I agree with you here. It's kind of like, what else do you think is going to happen when you keep pushing and pushing? It's like... You're walking up to a bear and poking it 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 and it's ground. It's like it's like it's giving you, know, you all the, the signs. It's burying its teeth. It's 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 trying to get its distance, and then you just keep poking, poking, and then eventually it's going to rip your head off. Like it's just kind of like I I agree with you. It's not ideal, but also this is so understandable. Like I can see. It's like what does Nesta. Yeah, it's just so hard. It's like she's creating this situation and everyone's trying to help and make it better. And it's just. It yeah. is. I can understand why he would say that. Yes. Yes. And the kicker is that everyone doesn't hate her. Everyone no, is very no. frustrated with her. Everyone is very concerned. Everyone has a lot of feelings about Nesta. And because it's such a prolonged thing, those feelings are. Obviously, Nesta's probably feeling hatred from a lot of individuals at this point in time, when really it's just exasperation, quite frankly. It's it's a mutual we've we've reached out. We can only reach out so many times. I'm running out of options. Yeah. And. And again, you know. It's hard because it's one thing to say that. It's another thing for Nesta to immediately, immediately like pounce on that. And she just, 
she just shoots extremely hurtful things back at him. Mm-hmm. She says something along the lines of, oh, and this is where you tell me that you're the only one who doesn't hate me. And then she goes on to say the next time around that, oh, maybe you'll stop simpering after me if you finally realize that I don't care or something along those lines. Right. Yeah. I'm like, she basically calls him a simp. Like she's. Yeah. She's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. It's all around bad. And the the worst part to me and the worst part about situations like this all the time is Cass and Nesta walked away from that situation and they both felt like complete shit. Yep. It but Nesta, nothing. but that's the thing. Nesta felt bad because what he said landed. Mm-hmm. Because she was like, oh shit, everyone does hate me. Poor me. Mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. victim mindset. No, mm-hmm. no, not even a little, oh, I feel bad for what I said to him. Where Cass feels bad because he's like, I shouldn't have said that. Everyone doesn't hate her. I have so many regrets. I don't know what else to do. You know, he's spiraling because he wants to help her so bad. It's all about her. It's He's not even thinking about the things that she said to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, Cass is just so selfless with her all the time. Yeah, this is like literally the one instance, I think, in this entire book where he's just like, Besides, like, when he takes her off on the hike, that he's just, that he's like, no, I can't have it anymore. Other mm-hmm. than that, he is, it's, like, the perfect patience, and I'm astounded, like, truly at the response that he always gives her. Yeah, and I think, I'll go on a little bit about that maybe at the end, but mm-hmm. one of the things is I I truly, I don't think that's realistic. I nope. I do not think it is realistic for someone to be as awful as Nesta was to Cass and for an individual Cass in the situation to just remain steadfast. Yeah. I, always. I truly yeah. do not think it's realistic. Mm-mm. It's um, not having, having been on, on a receiving end of, of a Nesta. I, mm-hmm. mm-mm. I no. really don't. It doesn't matter how much of a patient person you are. It's like at some point you reach your threshold. And the, the it for me, it's the length that it goes on. And again, we can touch on this later. But it, yeah. yeah, it's I agree with you. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not realistic. This is kind of like our last straw again. Like Cass is just he's at his wits end. And our lovely, lovely Farah comes to speak with him. And she those two, they kind of like talk it out right Mm -hmm. they're kind of both in this spot i mean nesta is not receptive to farah so you know she's farah's kind of done her her bit and she knows that her being around isn't going to help nesta um which again is pretty insightful in itself um but farah kind of rationalizes with him and ensures him like nesta doesn't hate you right like she doesn't hate you and they kind of talk through all of their upbringing and Nesta's upbringing in particular. And as they begin to talk about this, Cass has this light bulb moment, this revelation about why Nesta isn't training, and he is ready to try one last time. One last time to reach out his hand. (laughs) 
And I I love that Farah is the wise one in this moment. Farah has been doing this for Nesta their entire lives. Yep. So, of course, she is the one to impart this wisdom, even though she isn't the one that necessarily told Cass what was going on. She kind of provided the catalyst for Cass to then figure out how he could modify training to allow Nesta to be more successful. Right. right. And mm-hmm. that's, I, I feel like that's a really interesting, not an interesting, a really important part of helping someone through a hard time is if you think that there is one way to help an individual, it may not be the only way. If at first you do not succeed, just try again. Try a different yeah. way. Try a different method. You know, it's a lot of people don't quite know what they need. Yeah. Well, it's like, I mean, we do this every day. It's like every patient that we have is not the same. Everyone has different motivations. Everyone has different learning styles. Everyone has different personalities. So yeah, you, I never approach every person the same way. Some people you can go in and give them shit and that's what they need. You know, they need someone poking them in the ribs and being sassy with them. And other people need slow and gentle coddling approach, you know, like it, it varies from person to person. So I, I do love that he's kind of like, all right. It's that general mindset of, of his that, and Farah gave him those little tools and tidbits of like, of Nesta to be like, oh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing it. Because if you do think about it, in general, Nesta, like we do know Nesta has like history of like not great experiences with with males, right? She does touch on that very briefly. Hundred percent of her experience with the guy she was going to marry, and so she, as much as she's not going to come out, and you know she puts on her tough girl act, but I really think that 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 does impact her too. Of like, she doesn't. I don't think she likes being around men that she doesn't trust, and the Illyrian camps are full of them. Yeah, they're like, full of absolutely awful individuals, and that's that was the catalyst where Cass is like. Oh, she kept saying, I refuse to train in that god-awful village. I refuse to train in that awful village. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a, I refuse to train. I'm just, I'm not training in that fucking village. Yeah. Yep. So, it's just it. interesting. Okay. <laughs> it was there the whole time. It was there the whole time. <laughs> um, Okay, I'm going to get into my big thoughts about this book. And, okay, I'm going to get on my soapbox for a few minutes. Mainly because I want to get it out of my system before we do a deep dive in this book. Um, But rest assured, I'm actually going to follow it up with the things that I absolutely love and I'm really, really excited about in this book. But I want to say right off the bat, I have three reasons why this book frustrates me. Mm -hmm. The first reason is probably not what you're thinking. has nothing to do with Nesta. The first and honestly the biggest reason why this book frustrates the hell out of me is I think SJM, this is, bear with me, this is almost worse than bashing Nesta, but I think Mm -hmm. SJM entirely changed the core personalities of both Reese and Farah. Like, I I understand that we are in Nesta's perspective. So things are vastly different than if we were in Farah's or Reese's perspective. But Mm -hmm. Reese and Farah both do stuff in this book that they 
never, yeah, in my opinion, would have in Frost and Starlight or before. Yeah, it's very out never. of character. Some of the actually most of the stuff they do in this book is very out of it's character. Crazy. It blows my mind. Like even what we talked about, like just a little while ago about like Reese just like sending Cass off. Yeah. And like not even really talking about it. Like that's not a Reese. Mm-mm. Reese will do that to Lucian. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Fuck off. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't really care about Lucian. But Cass? But yeah. Someone he loves. Yeah. No. There's and Farah, this, this is the number one thing. Farah is almost portrayed as this like docile, weak thing. Mm-hmm. Like that she's like scared of Nesta or like she's scared of the responsibilities of being high lady or she's like cowering. And I hate that because we have had so much time with her to build her up as the beautiful, wonderful, badass goddess that she is. Yes. Like where at what point in time has has Farah given anyone the reason to believe that she is not strong enough to tolerate or tackle anything that happens in Silver Flames. Agreed. <laughs> and like in that same vein, Reese not telling Farah about the pregnancy? What the actual fuck? Yeah. I I have a huge I have that is honestly I think my biggest problem with this book. Oh my god. And it makes me furious, Amber. Like we talked about this a little bit together of like how the the whole shielding Feyre and and not telling her about the pregnancy feels like a very Tamlin move, but we're not acknowledging that. But we're it was it was bad when Tamlin did it, but it's okay when Reese does it. Like that's I just not cool. I hate it. I yeah, hate I it. I don't I don't like, like it. It's very icky. again again like. To your point, it was not okay when Tamlin didn't tell her all the shit that was happening in the spring court that, like, very much impacted her. But, like, why are we not... Why did we not freak the actual fuck out when we found out that Reese was the one keeping this from her? Yeah. Like, I just... I just... It does not track to me. There is... If there was a rationale behind it at any point in time... Sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe I maybe I would give him the benefit of the doubt for like half a second. I'd still be pissed. Mm-hmm. But there were no good reasons. Nope. And honestly, this is something I know we're soapboxing and getting it out now. We, I will probably still talk about this when this pops up because it's just Same. it's it's fucked up. It's infuriating. And I feel like this was the first time I really felt like SJM wrote characters out of character like we we gush about her we know she's super talented we love her this is not us you know it's just as a reader uh, connecting with these characters that we love it really did feel it felt like a huge step backwards for for them and it was weird and it just didn't feel right it didn't feel like them i don't get it i don't get it i don't Mm -hmm. get it it almost feels like when we are talking about this, you mentioned it almost feels like fan fiction-y. It's very Because fan-picky. it's so out of character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it just... I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just really rubs me wrong. And I think, you know... I don't know. I don't know. That's a whole can of worms. But that's my number one reason, is 
is not necessarily just the pregnancy thing. It's just the general way that those two are portrayed throughout this book just rubs me wrong. And just in general, like women are fragile when they are with child, like like Feyre. Like I get it that Fey children are rare, but like, come on. She's Feyre Kersberger. Like if anyone tries to fuck with her, especially while she's pregnant, like I think like. I don't know. It was just a lot. It's a lot. And we will get into detail. But overall, yeah, that's honestly my biggest issue with this book. Yeah, it's a big no for me. Um, yeah. Reason number two. And this is this is something I've already talked about in Frost and Starlight. But I. I'll talk about in the in the things that I love about this book. I actually. Love. Certain parts of Nesta's mental health journey, because I think, again, SJM does a remarkable job at talking through all of the the deep, dark crannies, nooks and crannies that we don't necessarily want to talk about in ourselves, but maybe we can talk about it if it's portrayed in a character. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's one it's that. one of those really, really beautiful moments that no matter who you are, you've you've had a moment or two or 50 of pulling a nesta you've pulled a nesta i've pulled a nesta we've all pulled a nesta for sure and and we've been able to to learn from it as a result mm-hmm. and i love that i i truly think that more than anyone else's arc that nesta's is relatable oh it definitely is and that for me like that was the biggest thing in this book was i got to the end and i was like oh wow but mm-hmm. it's to the level that it is yeah is where it gets kind of yes and the level for me like the the drawing like the line in the sand for me is her relentless cruelty towards others mm-hmm. and the fact that it's just so drawn out um and i understand like toward most people Right. If she wants to lash out at her sisters, if she's going to lash out at her friends. Right. And she does that. But it's kind of like intermittent lashing out. But the horrible things that she says to Cass over and over and over again, mm-hmm. mating bond or no, um, at, at some point, uh, she doesn't she doesn't deserve to have a hand reaching out to her anymore. Yeah. And regardless of what this is, this is kind of the hill I I die on is Mm -hmm. regardless of what you're going through, it is not okay for you to hurt the people who are there to help you over and over and over and over and over and over again and learn absolutely nothing from it. I agree. I think it's just not okay. It, it, it goes on for too long and it goes too far at certain points I think Mm -hmm. of like it takes away from the you know like the romance aspect of them I'm like it's weird that we kind of jump the the progression of it is just it's not a good pacing in my opinion of like I feel like we go it's like it's really bad really bad really bad a little bit better really bad a little bit better 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 bad better better everything's fine like it's just like yep yeah and it's just i agree it is you talked about it once of just like 
the level to which Nesta is is lashing out is like borderlining sociopathic levels of like I'm hurting you just because I want to hurt you and yeah like feeling no she feels no remorse for a very long time and again speaking as someone who has been in a very very dark place and also early on in my relationship where I did not have very good um like examples of how you deal with conflict um and so I went into a very serious relationship not not knowing how you deal with the conflict and having other issues of my own piled on top of that and that was me I was very I lashed out and I there were moments I relished I relished when I hurt Riley's feelings and if you've ever met Riley he's a bit, he is overall a very patient and kind person but again how I know it's not realistic is it had to come to a point where it was like okay like something has to change and I grew and I learned from that and now I don't do that like at all anymore and so I think that's why it's hard to read this and be like okay I get it in the beginning like I understand she's hurting she's going through very serious very dark shit I've I see that but Mm -hmm. it just it happens too long it's too long in my opinion but that's just my opinion and other people may feel differently that's okay we're not telling you you're wrong this is just how we feel about it yes (laughs) and the third reason the end of this book is so cool and Mm -hmm. so badass what nesta does to save them all like it's it's amazing it's astonishing it's one of those moments where you're like there's absolutely no way that all this shit can happen and then it does which is great mm-hmm. what i what i don't love i wish that would have been drawn out a little bit more to be honest um another thing i am not okay with how suddenly everyone just forgives her yeah like like no this like nesta we can we can talk to Nesta. We can we can process all the shit that went down, but she needs to show a lot more remorse for her actions before I'm going to forgive her. A lot more apologizing. And yeah, and I'm like I'm not saying they should hold anything over her head, like mm-hmm. heaven forbid. This is not like a manipulation situation. No. Um, but it is very much like just because she she took this she had the capability first of all to do this and then she did it yes she saved three people three very very important people she did a lot of really horrible stuff along the way till literally the moment before all of that happened basically yeah like- and there and there was like no there was no like redeeming that and i have beef with that like that it just doesn't feel solidified and maybe you know obviously this is like an open ended situation like very much the next time we again remember we're recording this on january 29th people um <laughs> so maybe maybe we have a little bit more clarity as to why she acted the way she did a little bit more remorse apologies things like that to really kind of um bring back to the forefront of like i did this i am sorry Mm -hmm. i grew from it like now can you like can we move forward yes i feel like 
I feel like this is almost like it's like the trope of two characters fighting and then one of them almost dies and then it's just like, okay, nope, everything's fine. Like they get rescued and then it's like, oh, we're just moving past whatever that was. Like we don't need to address it. And I, I hate that. I hate that so much. And it's the it's the same thing here. It's like Yeah, Rattles like we did it was a scary situation. She saved the day. Everything's fine now. We didn't forgive Tamlin as soon as he helped Farah, Elaine, and Az escape the Highburn camp. We didn't just mm-hmm. forgive him. Mm-hmm. Bing, bang, boom. Tamlin's all better. It wasn't that bad. He's fine. No, we're still pissed off at him. He has a lot to answer for. Yes. Are we thankful that he helped us? Absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. What a legend in that moment. Right? Mm-hmm. Same with Nesta. Maybe like yep. times 10 in this moment. Yeah. So like, right. Big moment. Right. Bigger than just like helping out of Hybern's camp. Like we literally saved our three, like three individuals. So that's great. But mm-hmm. you've, again, you you have some things to, to answer for. I agree. I also love your point. I never thought about this. I love your point of we don't get enough time with Nessa's powers. Like, mm-hmm. She can't use them during the blood, right? She can't, like, and then the book, she gives them up right after that. And I know. I, it's. I think that's that's the missing component. If we could have had a little bit less of her, um, just a little bit less. You know, I, I don't want to take away from her journey, even though as much as it, like, really frustrates me because it it made an impact, right? Yes. Um, but I, I do think we could have we could have done with a little less. Of, you know, maybe this chapter one through 11 of her being awful repeatedly, um, Mm -hmm. a little bit less of that, a little bit more time with her power, because I think that time with her power would have opened the door to get a little bit more forgiveness and openness and acceptance of herself, quite frankly, um, before we saved everyone. Yep. And who, who, who knows? Maybe... In the future, maybe this she didn't actually lose all her powers, and I don't mm-hmm. know. But, right. you know, that could also be possible. But as of right now, yeah, I, I agree with you. I wish we would have gotten more of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, out with that, in with the things that I'm so... I fucking love about this book. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, like I said before, there are aspects of Nesta's mental health journey that we will really touch on that... Um. That we just resonate with that we really appreciate SJM diving into and and talking about and experiencing because it's a wild ride. And again, we love to read and sometimes books are our therapy without us even realizing it. Mm-hmm. And and that's just beautiful that a fictional book can do that for us. Yes, I love it. <laughs> um, we're fucking obsessed with the Valkyries. Like Love the Valkyries. Obsessed. I don't even think we need to go into further detail about that because when we actually start getting into this book and the Valkyries come into the picture, we're we will spare no no details. There there are some aspects of this book that we might kind of graze over, and that's not one of them. No. That Heavy detail on the Valkyries. <laughs> yeah. And just like the general, like super in-depth knowledge that we learn about like Koshi, the Dread Trove. The, the mountain, um, Ramiel, and Nesta's powers, you know, 
honestly, all of those things, and like the list just goes on and on yes. about all of these little details that we kind of get introduced that, like we said before, play a role in other things. So I, that, that it's just fascinating. It feels like we're reading like an interconnected book, even though it's very much just like an Akatar book at this point in time. It doesn't really feel like it. Yep. Oh yeah, I agree. At points. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, as a whole, please bear with me, Amber, uh, <laughs> as I do my damn best to pick out like the positive things that happen in this book. And when I'm going over my chapters, I I promise you, I am not missing or intentionally, or rather unintentionally skipping things. If I'm skipping things, it's it's intentional. I'm mm-hmm. I'm trying to. I'm I'm trying not to perseverate on the things that make me feel angry and trying to focus on the things that I really love about this book um because there is there are so many different things that I I really do feel strongly about this book um mm-hmm. but you know you, you also have to keep in mind we always see this stuff on social media it's like if if you don't love Nesta you had a Nesta in your life Mm-hmm. If, if you don't love Nesta, you were Cass. If you yeah. love Nesta, you were Nesta. You were Nesta. And honestly, that it tracks, I feel. I mean, and, I, for for our experiences, I think. But Yeah. And it, it doesn't have to be like a partner situation either. Mm. Um, friendships are relationships too. I mean, any, yep. any kind friendships, of relationship. Friendships, family, whoever. Family, yeah. I, and I think too, not... I, I like how we did this first episode, mostly just because... I think it's important to frame how we are feeling about this book in general and the just kind of so you have a mindset of where we at as we move we're at as we move forward because I agree we're we're not going to skip anything that is actually relevant to like the progression of, like the story itself and what we need to talk about but there're going to be a lot of times like we said that there's it's a lot of repetitive nesta just be nesta and it just for our own mental headspace, because you guys, we spend we spend quite a bit of time like prepping for this podcast, doing the podcast. And then I go back and listen to it again. And, you know, I just don't want to we don't want to be in this like negative headspace, like True. and allowing it to like affect us also <laughs> mentally. Mm-hmm. So we want to talk about the things we like. And also it'll be a more enjoyable pod for you. Obviously, if there's things we haven't touched on that do make us feel feisty every now and then we got to be feisty. But mm-hmm. overall, yes, I, I, yeah. I think. And I, is- I do think I do think in this first episode, like, yes, we've we've framed how we feel. Um, I, I do want to put a like a blaring headline somewhere to be like, we feel this way because of our own unique experiences and perspectives. OK, we are the one talking on this podcast just because you're hearing us in your ears does not mean I, I'm telling you a certain thing. It means that I am sharing with you how I feel. And just because you feel entirely different or completely different does not mean that we disagree. Yes. It means that we have different perspectives and that is totally fine. And encouraged. And encouraged. And I I don't think it's, I just, it almost makes me feel a little sad and I'm, I'm a little nervous if I'm being entirely honest. Um, Mm -hmm. To podcast about this book just because people feel so strongly because we have so many shared experiences 
surrounding Nesta. And this is this is kind of where I get into the territory. It's not just like the Nesta like silver flames. If you think about like if you're a dark romance reader or if you're think of another series where you like really resonated with a moment and it resonated for you because you have a shared experience. Yes. Right? That's a visceral experience. So, when you're starting to get like a visceral experience mm-hmm. and and your shackles hackles hackles yeah your hackles, hackles thank you your hackles are are rising mm-hmm. and and you're like ick something that amber or hannah said is is giving me the ick uh pause it fast forward yeah. listen we're not going to agree and this is one of those books that we just kind of have to all accept that and we have to kind of come into it with open ears and hearts and eyes yeah um so yeah, I think that's that's kind of like where I'm at. I think in this episode I we kind of walked on eggshells a little bit as far as like repeatedly saying just because I feel this way doesn't mean you have to. We're not going to necessarily give you that same thing every single time. This is this is your introduction right now that yeah. The, we're not going to do that. If you disagree, if you agree, great. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. And I think in general, it's going to help because I, again, we, we have very, very similar opinions on a lot of things about this book, but sometimes I think, and not really differing opinions, but just, I think we interpret things differently sometimes. So I think it'll be like a really good way to show how, I mean, we're besties for the resties mm-hmm. and like, we disagree on things all the time, but we're like still best friends. And respect each other's opinions and I I just think it's important to be able to do that because we've talked a lot about like how book talk and just that space bookstagram has become very much like well if you didn't like this like you didn't interpret it the right way or or Mm -hmm. I like this and you don't so you suck like we will never ever give off that vibe I feel like you guys probably know us well enough at this point to know we we fucking hate that shit like true that yeah like I think you just brought up such a marvelous point that just like made me feel a lot less nervous, honestly. And it's because those of you that are listening have you're in for the freaking long haul, right? You're yeah. not some like random internet person that's going to troll us because we said something <laughs> that you disagree with. Like, obviously, you know us well enough. We've talked to so many of you on various platforms that like we feel comfortable enough to ha- like having this conversation that like we can feel confident that we can meet you halfway or or we can have a very open-ended conversation because we are we're all humanized to each other because it feels like we're one we're one big family we're not some like random stranger trolls on the internet anymore like yeah. <laughs> we're family and we've had and we have had you know, people reach out to us every now and then and and say like, you know, like this could be more inclusive or whatever. And we are a thousand percent open to like having those conversations as long as it's a constructive, you know, something that can be constructive, like we're, that's okay. But in general, like if, if we just had an opinion that was different than yours, you know, that's, that is okay. But if we're, we are going to be touching on a lot of very serious topics in this book because they're i mean mental health is a very serious topic in general so we will be giving it the reverence it deserves but you know sometimes we're human and if you feel like there's something we said that 
we need to talk about, that's fine. But like overall, just know if, if we're just not agreeing with you on something in terms of Ness's journey, it's okay. We just interpreted it differently. And that's all right, dog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all good. we got nothing but love here to share so nothing but love um Mm. oh my gosh i have to play a song for y'all do you know what song i'm gonna play hannah i don't should i know what song i'm gonna play (laughs) actually okay i'm not going to play it i'm going to tell you i want you to look look up um, for those of you who didn't know, um, Snoop Dogg has a children's album, has an oh, album yeah. for children, has a straight up album for children. Snoop Dogg, Art, the same Snoop Dogg you're thinking of. It's that Snoop Dogg has an entire album. I want you to look up the song called Bully Song. Mm-hmm. Bully Song. And just listen to it. It's beautiful. It's just, I was it's, supposed it's, to. This is what I would play for Nesta. I forgot I was supposed to remind 11. you. <laughs> whoops i'm not the person to remind people of things uh but that is yes i agree that song is beautiful Anessa could definitely benefit from it don't be a bully mm-hmm. best don't told be by snoop d-o-double-g dog. oh my god i love that yeah please go wow. listen to that <laughs> man oh man all righty well, in general, for next episode, we're going to get back to our regular format of, of three chapters at a time. Um, and so you'll need to read chapters 12 through 14 to be prepared for the next episode. Um, thank you guys so much for choosing to be a part of our book club. We appreciate your support as always. And a special shout out to our Patreon members. We really appreciate you guys as well. Heck yeah. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at House of Wind Pod. Email us your theories or burning questions to House of Wind Podcast at gmail.com. All of this information can also be found in the show notes. We'll talk to you next week. Stay smutty. <laughs> <laughs>